0: It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James. Welcome to the show. And on today's episode, we're going to be looking back at the final pre-season match, a one-all draw against Unai Emery's Villarreal at Craven Cottage. The first time that we saw the Riverside Stand in action as well. Plenty of chat about transfers today. Fulham still haven't managed to sign a centre-back. There is five days until we play the European runners-up at Craven Cottage, and we still only have two senior centre-backs. We'll look at that, plus the rumours that Leno's incoming to Craven Cottage is imminent, and we have a bag full of questions at the end as well. And it is the first kind of Sunday podcast of the year where we vary up the lineup and look back at the last match, and I'm really happy uh, that that is the case. I'm joined by Jack Kelly. Hello. Hello. Don Betts, hello. Hello, mate. And live from Germany, Archie tutt, Hello, hey Sammy. Two pods in three weeks. Uh, we are we are blessed.
1: London buses, mate.
0: Yeah, yeah. More, long may it continue. <laughs> so, well,
2: Archie, see you in what January? Yeah. After <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: Dom, I just wanted to quickly um, get your view because you've just come back from the Lionesses parade in Trafalgar Square. Um, how was it? I'm I'm very jealous.
2: No, it was good. Um, I said I was at the game yesterday at the Lions game. I think I thought it was fantastic, um, and it's. I said England going to do double this year, so it's a, it's, it's perfect, mate. <laughs> no, I, said, I, I no. It was re- it was really good, um, but I said it's such a different kind of atmosphere. It was so much better organised than the men's Euros last year. It was genuinely
1: ridiculous. Why? What happened then? <laughs> Was
0: something to do with the flare? Head. I
1: saw? Oh, I forget, anyway.
0: And most importantly, the Lionesses won, um, which was uh, pretty exciting.
2: Also, I'm lucky for me in the European final, you know. Uh, we'll, we'll eventually get there. They all went to extra time, but uh, eventually, eventually managed to see a team I actually like win. So come on, the Lionesses.
0: Yeah, it was really, really good yesterday. Um, it slightly overshadowed the one-all draw with Villarreal, which I thought was disappointing, really. You know, I, think, I feel like, you know, news at 10, I don't think that the lioness should have been the leading item when Fulham uh, got a late equaliser against Villarreal and a friendly uh, Craven Cottage. Um, Archie, obviously you were watching in Germany, in England colours. Um, how was that for you behind enemy lines, effectively?
1: It was fun. I went to take it in in an Irish pub so I could at least feel Neutral. like I had some support. And yeah, uh, it, was, it was a shame not to have English coverage uh, given the things that I saw that Ian Wright and Alex Scott were saying after the game. But yeah, I, I have to say it was a bit disappointing that when walking home after it, there was nobody on the street, nor was there anyone really before the game like it was just really dead quiet and that's despite the fact that the average um number of tv viewers on sunday for the game was 18 million in germany well it
2: was it was literally the highest record attendance that any euros game has ever had mm-hmm. it's not it's not men's euros or women's euros it's the highest attendance that any euros game has ever had and I think I think I think that shows how it wasn't. And I mean, it was it was great, man. But to be fair, this morning, I agreed to work an early shift. This morning was probably the worst idea I've probably ever had. <laughs> <laughs> the, full, the full two hours sleep I had before being woke up saying, "Don't you have work in twenty minutes?" or something.
1: Right. Maybe,
2: but you know, right. it, it was it was worth it for watching England lift a major trophy. So.
1: And yeah, yeah like you know, um, that that figure is is nine million more than when Germany won it in 2013. So it represents some progress um, on that front. But I have to say, when I looked at the amount of hype that there's been back home to what you were describing there, Dom, as well, like, it just doesn't compare, which is a real shame because like, women's football in Germany has a lot going for it, but it just doesn't have anywhere near the backing that, say, the WSL has in England. So yeah, I still managed to enjoy and wind a few people up. And uh, yeah. one, one German tweeter told me that uh, I should focus on the fact that Prince Charles had taken money from Osama bin Laden's family instead of enjoying <laughs> the result, <laughs> which time. is, which is <laughs> one of the weirder bobs I've had on Twitter. Um,
0: but yeah, I mean, whatever you need to, uh, t- to come up one up in, a, in an argument. I mean, may- putting this back to a full in perspective, mm. I, I, I can't, watched the rise of women's football and always just think what if with the Fulham women's team and right. what we had going for us in the early 2000s?
2: I was speaking to one of our Arsenal friends who watches the Arsenal ladies quite a lot. And I, was, I said back in the early 2000s, like we had one of the best women's teams in the country at the time, you know, yeah. Rachel, Yan- Rachel Yankee left Arsenal to come mm-hmm. to Fulham because we were one of the pro, con- uh, pro teams at the time. And then obviously she went back to Arsenal later on. But I said this is it's 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 crazy to see sort of what our women's team was at that point. If you compare us to maybe a team now, you're looking at what Chelsea's ladies are now. Pretty much, we were like yeah. the only pro team at the time, and it's just it's just a shame to see sort of what's happened to the women's team. Really,
1: that was yeah. the first final I ever saw Fulham playing. I think was the FA Cup final when we lost to Arsenal and we missed a penalty. I remember because I was behind the goal at Selhurst Park. That was ah,
0: frustrating. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, look, I think, I think it's been well documented. Mohamed Al-Fayed, his intentions were in the right place. He just mistimed it. We were just too early to try and go professional. 20 years, really, um, it's been um, since Fulham did that and, and, and what's now kind of exploded into the WSL. And look, the, the Fulham women are, are rising up the ranks, but it's a, a pretty slow burn. I don't think they have any ambitions yet to become a, a WSL team. But, uh, you know, they, they have been moving up the league, moving up the ranks and and fingers crossed one day Fulham can get closer to where they were because I think if you watch yesterday's game and and think that women's football isn't going anywhere but uh, skyward then um, I think you're kidding yourself to be honest.
2: Well I think the most important thing watching yesterday was it you, people, a lot of people watching the game, especially in the same, didn't see it as a women's game. They just saw it as a football yeah, game. Of course, that's what it and was. It was, it was, it, was an ex- it was an exceptional game of football. I thought Mary seeing England's goalkeeper, I thought was probably better than a lot of Fulham goalkeepers <laughs> I've, I've seen when it comes to collecting balls from crosses, especially. So yeah, I think, I think, I think this tournament and yesterday was a has to be and should be a turning point in when it comes to women's football in
0: England. Right, let's get this back towards Fulham and uh, Jack. Uh, we haven't done any three-word reviews from yesterday's game against Villarreal. Uh, I gave you the honours. So, what were the best ones that came in?
3: It was sort of slim pickings because it was a friendly. There wasn't too much in terms of people commenting, but um,
0: interaction was not the uh, the usual busy heights no. that it is. Uh, there wasn't on a, the, there wasn't any the the creativity
3: as there usually is. But there were some decent ones. I picked out three. Um, okay. Stephen Sheldrake, our very own, he said at uh, Fulham's Villa Reality Check, which is clever, but yeah. not, not quite representative of the game, I don't think. <laughs> he
0: wanted the part more yeah. than the actual description of the game, but yeah, it's yeah. a good
3: one. I've been in that situation definitely before. <laughs> um, Jackson, J X E Z O N, with Mbabu fueling fire. I like that a lot. But yeah. my favorite is Jay Sampson with really annoying keeper. And if you're at the game, you would definitely know. <laughs> you would definitely know. Really, the keeper was so annoying, so annoying. Okay.
0: Well, uh, he had a bit of a nightmare in the semi-finals, didn't he? He was the one that uh, uh, gifted Liverpool a couple of goals in the Champions League. So, gifted um, is quite um, a nice, nice way to put it. Sam. yeah. Uh, interested to hear more about that. Well, it, look, Jack. It was a one-all draw uh, against Villarreal, which it, it feels like quite a admirable results. They're in the last four of the Champions League last year. And as I said, if it wasn't for um, those goalkeeper mistakes in the second leg, they did really push Liverpool all the way um, in that semi-final. And I thought Fulham had the better of the game. Like, unfortunate that Villarreal scored when they did um, Mm. towards the end of the first half. But Fulham pushed and pushed and made some really nice openings. Um, And I thought we're fully deserved of the, not a point, because there's no (laughs) points, but of a draw. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a good game of football. It was a good run out for the boys. Um, from the off, we literally attacked 20 seconds in, won a corner. Pereira was lively and uh, Mitrovic got a header over the bar. Uh, and Villarreal scored with their first chance of the game, really, um, in the first half. They, we, we were really good. And there was a couple of really beautiful pings from uh, Bobby over reed and, and Paulinia. like some really nice bits of play. Pereira was very, very lively, like I said. And um, I was really impressed. Let's put it into context that Villarreal did play on Saturday against Southampton. So they sort of like played half a first team, half a second string team. Uh, they would have done the same against the Saints at St. Mary's on Saturday as well. But there were some notable players in there. You know, Parejo, the goal scorer. Gerard Moreno came on. Uh, there were some really decent players. Their left back was very poor. I can't remember his name, but he was he was, he was rubbish. And yeah. uh, I was impressed with Fulham. And I thought Mitrovic especially looked very, very like fit and up for it and as fit as I've ever seen him.
0: And what was the Riverside stand looking like yesterday, Jack? Obviously the first time that fans um, were in the stand, it's just the lower tier for now, the upper tier still uh, a work in progress. Was it, was it weird to see fans in there after obviously a full season of us being there and, and no fans apart from, um, what was his name? The flagman junior? Junior. Mm. <laughs> yes, Junior the flag man. They had good time, so I forgot about Junior.
3: Yeah, the, the Riverside, it looked good to see fans in there finally. It's been so long since we've actually seen fans in there. Um, I have to say that the stand itself from where I was sitting just looks absolutely magnificent. Um, I think the interior still needs some work done, definitely. I saw some pictures and, you know, there's there's some things that need to be improved. But I think having fans in there, were very close to the action, you know, close to the dugout, you know, really good, Insight into you know how the managers, how the managers behave on on the touchline throughout ninety minutes, and they would have seen you know Marco Silva and Unai Emery, you know, two very good managers, high caliber managers, and I think, I think it looked good. Uh, Obviously, it's going to look a bit weird with a whole empty upper tier for the whole season, but it's nice to have fans back in the Riverside and a nice change of lager choice. In Craven Cottage with Camden Hells, it will divide opinion. But Sam Miguel gone, Camden Hells in, for me, is a huge, huge upgrade.
0: See, everyone's been slamming Fulham's recruitment over the summer and and little did we know.
2: There was pictures of that gin, prosecco and pims bar. I mean, please, can you find something more Fulham than installing that in the new stand? Sounds
0: a bit of me, that.
1: Jack, thank you so much for giving me one reason to be cheerful about going back <laughs> next season. Because I've been struggling the last few weeks. No, I would really just wait for it. A,
3: at £6.80 a pint. Oh, yeah. you know
1: what? Um.
2: I, th- I think, right, if you, if you analyse <laughs> this, pro- this properly, though, a pint of Camden Hills in a London pub is probably 6 to six fifty. Mm. So I'm thinking six eighty for a pint in the ground isn't actually too bad.
0: That is two of the questions that we've got done. Uh, BK <laughs> asked, what is Dom's reaction to £6.80 pints in the Hammersmith end? Uh, and Hinn said, what are Dom's feelings about £6.80 pints in a tight concourse? <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends when you drink it, isn't it? Because it feels like quite good value if you're in the nice plush riverside. But if if you're behind the hammy end and, and hemmed in, I don't know. It's, it, it... I'm
2: not paying more than £5.50 for a pint. <laughs> you're not
0: getting a pint then. <laughs>
2: Uh, I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just come down and watch it, watch it in the concourse like usual then, you know? Yeah. <laughs>
1: so will you be having half-pints then? I don't think you can't get half-pints. You can't get half-pints?
2: I don't really know what they're going to do. like Are they like putting it
3: across the ground or is it just in the Riverside stand? Well, I heard it's in the in the Hammersmith as well, like the whole ground. And I was in the Johnny Haynes and I walked past the, the concourse. I mean, to, me, it's there. to be
2: fair, I mean... What I mean, it's a bit like Wembley yesterday. I was like, whatever they're going to charge, I'll pay for it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, is that seven pounds fifty? Yeah, I'll
3: probably pay for it anyway. What's frustrating is last season, you know, albeit it was Sammy Miguel, the worst lager in the world, you could go to the ground before half two and get a pint for three pounds fifty. And after, I hope, be, they, I hope
2: they continue £7. that.
3: I really hope they continue I, that. <laughs> I, I hope they do, but I have a feeling they won't.
0: Uh, we've got slightly away from the game here, but uh, I don't. I don't <laughs> mind it. Are we discussing um, the game yet, <laughs> Archie? I just wanted to get your thoughts on Kevin and Babu. He was obviously instrumental in Fulham's equalising goal. What a ball from TC mm-hmm. um, around the corner! Absolutely lovely. But a great run from Mbabu. He kind of starts the move and then is obviously pivotal in it. Uh, crosses it for Mitrovic who scored. Um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on Mbabu. obviously came from Wolfsburg, uh, your patch. Uh, so uh, <laughs> well, what, what's, what's your thoughts on the move?
1: If you looked at where Cologne is on a map and you looked at where Wolfsburg is on a map, they're not near. Uh, it's a big patch <laughs> you've given me there. I'm saying about. the
0: Germany, the whole of Germany is your patch.
1: Yeah. Okay. I'll take that. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's about a three hour train ride, uh, but still your patch. <laughs> So Kevin Mbabu, his his best season at Wolfsburg was uh, his penultimate one, Uh, not this one which just went by where he and the rest of the squad had a pretty torrid time. He is somebody who enjoys getting forward as we saw in that brief stint yesterday. There are big question marks over his technical ability, but physically he is something to to really be mindful of if you're an opponent. And the one question mark I have is, has he got his COVID vaccination yet? Because he was unvaccinated at the turn of the year, uh, along with another Wolfsburg player. I think it was about Vickers. So Burnley's, well, he's no longer at Burnley. I know he's moved on now, hasn't he?
0: He has.
1: Um, so that that bit would be a little question mark for me because covid is still there and you don't want to lose an important player because of something like that and yeah from from what i heard he wasn't necessarily jumping on board that i'm off to fulham train very quickly and he did take some persuasion but as long as he's buying in to the cause then let's see let's see what he he has to give but yeah i think there's a few question marks there defensively as well like you know we can talk about what somebody has to bring going forward. But in the season that we're going to be playing coming up, how how often are we going to be able to do that? Uh, how much, how often are we going to be able to dominate the ball? I think the equation for this season is going to be so different to the one that we've just played. And I look at the amount of quality that there are in teams around us in the table, not just the top six, but when you see the the kind of forward players that, you know the likes of of Crystal Palace have, for example, in in uh, Eze and, and Zaha, and even West Ham. I mean, West Ham's a little bit further up the table, but from having watched them up close last season, I'm I'm kind of looking at that and being like, I love Niskins Cabano, but is he on that but, level? But even Southampton, you look at Joe Reba's goal the other day, right? Exactly. <laughs> he's,
2: he's 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 waltzing through uh, the Villarreal defense in mm. the, in that goal, but obviously I know they lost the game in the end, but yeah. It's yeah I said it's it's just, it doesn't sound like Fulham's on a full back who can't defend. Huh.
0: <laughs> we do love them. Um Dom Mitro uh bags the goal. He's now scored in quite a few pre-season games if I'm not mistaken. I think he scored in every pre-season game that he has played. He he scored in the uh he scored in the game again. he didn't play in the Nice game but he scored against Benfica, he scored against Estoril. Uh he's now scored um against Villarreal and I'm just very excited. There's obviously numerous problems across this team. We're going to come on to it, centre-backs, Harry Wilson out, etc. But if there is one positive that I feel like we can take into this season, I know Archie was searching for positives. It is the fact that Mitro is scoring and it looks like his tail up. And I do think that if you've got a confident Mitro, that is an unbelievable weapon to have. Because if you've got a goal a game out of him, I'm not saying he's going to get a goal again this season, but I'm saying he's kind of potentially going to
1: be here we go. Yeah.
0: Can't wait. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is good that Mitro is on song, because I think this is the most important thing right now that, that Fulham have going for them.
2: I think it might be the most important season in Mitrovic's career, really. You've got, obviously, yeah. him, him. he needs to prove himself in the Premier League because you've got a lot of people chatting rubbish that he can't do it in the Premier League, even though Ivan Tony scored about 14 penalties last year <laughs> and he scored one goal from open play. But, <laughs> like, and he's also, he's got this season. He's got the World Cup where he's he's playing Brazil. He's playing Cameroon. Like, he's, he's he, he, this season is massive for Mitrovic because it's yeah. like, if he gets, I don't know, let's say 12, 13 goals... And then he does fairly well in the World Cup. Let's say Serbia managed to get through that group in the World Cup. It's like it's he it, it, it could really just shut all the haters up, really, because you know I I I said I've I've, I've been talk, I've talking about to colleagues and talking about to mates who support Brentford. I was like, you're like yeah, yeah, yes, Ivan Tony did this, did that, but I don't think there's much difference in the regard to quality between the two strikers yes they're probably both at the same level if we're if we're being re- being realistic you know both both are good penalty takers both score goals and I think that yeah this season Mitrovic really needs to prove his haters wrong and show them that he is he is a Premier League striker because he is like let's face it you don't score 40 or goals in the championship and not be Premier League quality everyone's like, oh, he's, is he the Serbian Timo Puki. well no he's not because because he's never on that. No. Exactly. And also that, you know, when when he when we first came up, what did he get, 12, 13 goals in the Premier League that season? And no. I think that a lot of those goals were in the first half of the season as well. Basically, Ranieri came in and they, and they stifled him. Scott Barker, Scott Barker decided to manage the side and didn't play him. So I think this season really is the season where I think Mitrich is going to prove a lot of his doubt is wrong.
0: Yeah, I fully hope so. And Jack, you said that he he looked fit, he looked sharp. Obviously, other than the goal, just generally his movement w- was good. He actually had a bit of a horror miss, didn't he? Um, oh yeah, was, was, it, was it horror miss? Might be a bit strong, but he it's
2: not quite it's not quite hard on levels in the community shield,
0: but yeah. uh-huh. no. But he had a he had an open goal and hit the bar, mm. um, so not not the best. So I'm quite glad almost he did manage to get a goal because otherwise that might have been playing on his mind a bit.
3: Yeah, the ball was whipped in at some pace, and um, yeah, he just you know made contact with it and it just hit the crossbar. It's one of those ones, uh, quite unlucky. It's good to see the Mitrovic was also dropping deep, receiving the play like he was doing last season. His all-round play is just phenomenal. He's so strong, and even yesterday he, um, I think there was a, it was right at the end of the game. It was just after we made it one all. We were attacking and looking to get a winner. And the ref- there was like a foul, and the referee had played it on. We had the ball outside the box, looking really promising. And then the referee blows for a, uh, for a free kick the other way. And Mitrovic goes mental, gets in the referee's face. He can't believe it. And I'm thinking, bro, it's a friendly, just chill. He gets a yellow card. And actually, what worried me yesterday was Jao Pelinia, the most erratic player when it comes to tackling. He, uh, he was diving all over the place. He did get himself booked. And uh, apparently, if you do get a red card and a friendly, you get a one-match suspension which would have meant he would have been out of the Liverpool game. So he did get pulled off. Um, He he got substituted with 10 minutes to go, I think. And uh, yeah, he was diving into challenges all over the place. He also went down injured for like a minute and it didn't look good. And then he got up to his feet. Thank God. Uh, And then there is a point to make that Kenny Tete looked like he pulled up um, and then he was substituted for Mbabu. But I think they were already about to make that change anyway. Um, And hopefully Kenny Tete is okay we have a slight issue now with injuries with Harry Wilson, Natty Chabs. Mm. Um, and that is very concerning. Very concerning.
0: Um, Archie's face when you said Natty Chabs. Um, <laughs> Just imagine we said Trevor
3: Chalber okay. as well. Trevor Chabs and Natty Chabs. Chevy
0: Chavs. <laughs> the Chavs brothers. Um,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Archie, uh, Harry Wilson out f- uh, potentially. We haven't actually heard, but I've seen six weeks yeah. um, doing the rounds. So that's potentially the first five weeks of the season. So that's pretty much It's pretty much out. until the
2: international break at in end Yeah. September. Yeah. Uh,
0: I mean, that is a blow. I mean, it, but it means that potentially, Niskin's Cabano, you're up, pal.
1: Mm. And yeah, well... Bobby Deck or Dover Reed was was looking yeah. sharp, but I think he's one of these players where and, and there's quite a few of them, you've you've got reservations, question marks over them, whether they can do it this time, because whilst we competed in our last Premier League season for for a lot more of it than we did in the previous one before that it's it's whether you're going to be better than the teams around you. It's not just about competing. You have to win games. And to be to be fair to Harry Wilson, I had, even though he had a great season last year, undoubtedly, I think I have one or two um, doubts about, you know, does he shoot too often, for example? And can he adapt his game to to the Premier League and being ruthless enough? And it's why I was relieved to see Mitro take at least one of those chances. But... For him to, to be out, it just adds even more pressure after Marco Silva's comments after the game and, and the transfer window that the club has had. And I, I don't think still lessons have been learnt. Okay, less players on loan. Congratulations, guys. Well done. But how can we be going into the season with 16 senior players, according to our coach? It's, it's a shambles.
0: Well, uh, good time to bring it up, Archie, because we're going to take a break. And afterwards, we're going to look at those Marcus Silver comments and work out what Fulham needs to do in order to try and save uh, this summer transfer window. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast it is Sammy here with Jack Kelly, Dom Betts, Archie Rind Tuts. Uh, just a quick favour, if you're either listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we always appreciate getting uh, positive, ideally, reviews of the podcast. Uh, you can give us a star rating on Spotify and you can give us a star rating on Apple, but you can also leave a comment on Apple as well. Uh, just always nice. It means that if people are searching for a Fulham podcast, they see the reviews and they're like oh yeah that one sounds all right to listen to i could maybe give that an hour of my time so hugely appreciated if you can leave us a review right let's get into these comments from marco Silva after the game Um, fully straight out of the Slavisa Yukanovic playbook these. Um, So I'll try and read um, as much of them um, as I can. So apparently Silva said, you are being positive. We have 16 senior players in our squad. No one can compete at this level with 16. I will tell you one more. No one can prepare a season with two central defenders at this level. Everyone that understands football can see that we need at least five or six players. That is clear. If we want to be competitive, these players need help to be competitive in the training every day we cannot be now five weeks in the preseason with two central defenders and when asked whether fulham are ready for the premier league he says these players they are ready for the premier league i congratulate them for the work they have been doing i'm always behind them they did fantastic last season they are working really hard we as a squad though are not ready and then i've asked whether arrivals are coming soon he said i expected they arrive in the beginning of the preseason the first week of preseason second week of preseason i hope Hope they can arrive soon i know that alistair and tony are working on it um jack you were in the press room when marco was giving these comments um he did specifically say um don't confuse or put marco is angry i'm being realistic with you he was he was angry it sounds pretty angry (laughs) to me (laughs) I've never seen someone say
3: that they're not angry by looking by by looking so angry. He he was furious, really. But uh, it was it was quite uh, it was quite extraordinary. And I was behind the camera and I was trying just not to cry with with sadness. Honestly, like, this is awful. Um, felt very sorry for him, and then and then you know on my way home half an hour later. Someone from Sky says we're in for four centre backs, and then obviously a couple of hours later Ornstein says Leno's on his way. And I was thinking, well, that that was quick. Uh, it'll be like last year. Some someone's probably got
2: COVID. Someone's <laughs> probably yeah. got in in insert excuse two, three, and four.
3: Look, 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 I, what I will say is that I think that um Silver's obviously very unhappy with things. And it's the first time he's got to speak to the press at, at Craven Cottage, you know, for some time since like the Luton game, obviously. And, you know, he's very concerned. 16 senior players, two centre-backs are going into a Premier League season. Next week, we're playing Liverpool, who look very, very good, despite losing 3-0 yesterday to Stroudsburg, with, with Harvey Elliott and Fabio Carvalho in the team. So hold that. Um, and I just think that maybe, maybe we can get a couple through the door before that Liverpool game. And I think we're only one centre-back away to replace Ream, no disrespect to Ream. Uh, and then Lerno in goal for Rodak to, to looking fairly comfortable as an eleven, albeit with Harry Wilson in there as well. Obviously, obviously he's injured. Manuel Solomon comes in, whatever. Um, but we need players and I can't believe we're sitting here. I said it to Joe Sanson the other day. I can't believe we're sitting here. You know, two years ago, we had the same problem. Need to send it back through the door. It's too late. We've lost points. We're on one point from five games and it's very frustrating.
0: Um, Archie, uh, you did a little... Uh... Twitter thread earlier. Uh, it starts with really hope Fulham stay up, but looking at the squad <laughs> and the shocker they've had with recruitment so far, I'm thread. not. I'm not holding my breath. Um, feel free, the floor is yours.
1: Why? Why, Why can't we learn? I look. After promotion in 2018, and then in in 2020, the club uh, claimed, oh, "Look, we just didn't have that much time to get ready for the season." Nottingham Forest have signed 12 players. They spent a lot of money as well on good players as well. Like they they, they have a squad, and they've had and they've got a squad together. Which has had a chance to gel in training. These are some of the most important weeks for you as as manager, as first team coach ahead of a season. You get to ch- you get a chance to practice attacking patterns, your your defensive organisation. You get a chance to really try and mould your team. And I feel so sorry for Marco Silva because, as, as you can hear, as, as much as he protests that he isn't. Uh, <laughs> that he's not angry.
0: Not angry. I'm not angry.
1: <laughs> Maybe he means I'm not angry. I'm furious uh, because I. how is he? He's doing his job with both arms tied behind his back. And if this club put half the energy that it does into PR of pumping out Shard Khan interviews with the Daily Mail, the Athletic and the Times about, well, look at this. Look at the shiny stand. Look at the big shiny stand we've got. Well, how about A, looking at the ticket prices, spoken enough about that, but B, looking at the squad that the manager has there. And it's not like there have been reports in in the last month about Marco Silva being unhappy. That has been there. And still, it's, it's, it's a shambles. How can you get to this point when it is it, we we all knew in February, mate? We knew in February that we were going up.
2: I don't think I think it was that like Blackburn said one in November.
1: And that's <laughs> what I mean though. The <laughs> cell, the sell to players coming in was so clear. Like you have one of the easiest cells of of coming to join a football club in England in the fact that you get to live in one of the nicest parts of London and like for 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 coming to uh for for bringing in players that's huge like it's a lot harder to to persuade players to to go to to places elsewhere than London because it is the most attractive destination so you already have cards in your hand you already have money which a lot of clubs have have, have not got or not prepared to spend in the same way and yet you still manage to to blame it on the market or I, it's just unforgivable and if Marco Silva turns around and goes, you know what, guys, I'm not going through with this because you have set me up here to fail, I'd get it because he's, he's in a, such a difficult situation. Sure, you look at the first 11 and you're like, okay, but tell me that that first 11 is better than enough teams in this Premier League and I'm still on the fence. And that's the problem. They've not given him a chance to succeed right now.
0: I mean, Tom, just it's felt like the alarm bells on the center back all summer. There just hasn't been that solid rumor that I'm like, and he, and some of the rumors coming out now, like Vestergaard. I mean, I, I would take Issa Diop and I, I could see the sense in that transfer, even though he's obviously had a bit of a disaster at West Ham. I kind of could get on board with that, but Vestergaard to me seems like panic stations.
2: I just don't get why the most obvious position we needed to improve in bar maybe left back, we haven't improved in like i, I just I just, I just i I just don't get it like I just don't get what the sort of transfer strategy was like we've lost all advantage of getting automatically promoted
1: But that's it's- the point dom but but that's the point as well you you mentioned the transfer strategy. I think that whoever at the club put out this note that we, we, we've got offers in for four centre-backs, do you think that makes it look any better? It makes you look even more clueless. Yeah, it does. You are it's going rough. round a week before the season and you're saying, oh God, we, we need to get someone in. We've got four offers in. It's panicking. This should have... Exactly. You, you should, this should have been tied up at the start of the summer, not a week before the season where we're going in with a twig to face Liverpool's bazooka.
2: For example, it's a day up and whoever these other set backs we're after, who we've not been linked with. maybe Obviously, people speak about Joe Roland, but obviously he looks like he's going to Stavron A for £20 million. But, like, it's... Like, why are we not linked with these players? Because, let's face it, no Fulham transfers come out the blue. Let's face it. Like, yeah. every Fulham transfer, you know's going to happen before it happens. Like, I was sat in the Algarve looking at... Manor Solomon, the other side. <laughs> Tony Khan will have a little statement at the bottom of every single transfer. I was like, Geezy, you're not doing anything.
0: Well, I mean, if you think about it, go back to his tweet 28th of September, 2020. I apologize to Fulham FC supporters uh-huh. for our performance tonight. We've looked to add center back since Wembley. I'm sorry. We haven't yet as two got COVID and we lost a free that we thought was closed and had another issue with a fourth center back. I mean, I just find it surprising, Archie, that season after season, it always seems to be this position. We never seem to struggle to bring in central midfielders, wingers. I mean, I still think that we've always had a perennial problem of finding uh, a backup striker to Mitrovic. I think that's still the case this season, considering it doesn't look like Rodrigo Moon is, um is going to be playing that role. Uh, it seems like they're trying to find uh, a championship loan club for him, which I do think is the right move, by the way. But it just seems that Fulham... Just keep repeating the mistakes. And look, there was that famous quote from Alistair McIntosh saying, we don't think we have any lessons to learn. They aren't learning lessons.
1: I still can't believe it. He is, he is Fulham's answer to Lord Baelish because somehow he just evades <laughs> any sort of criticism. Like, sure, Tony Khan is very vocal and like, he makes mistakes, but very, like somehow... Alistair McIntosh manages to to slide through without taking any flack for fourteen years <laughs> as our CEO. Fourteen years. I just like, and he, he's been named by Marco Silva there as well in the in this press conference. Yeah, it's the first time
2: is, I think someone's really like put him in put him in the mud. Exactly,
1: and like. You know, he says Marco Silva as well. The key quote for me was, "Everyone who understands football—that is a volley against the people who are making your signings, saying that if you guys understood football, you would have got me a centre back a hell of a lot earlier." But I just—if—if if this season doesn't go well, if it is—if—if—if if, if we don't—if we don't stay up, forget Marco Silva. The first people out the door need to be Alistair McIntosh and Tony Khan, because you cannot... They've been incredibly lucky to get these chances again, as it is. I can't think of any other football club in England where you would have two promotions and manage to screw up the recruitment as they did, and not just that side of the recruitment. Look at the money that we take in. Like, we've made incredible losses on Anguissa and Sarri. Uh Like, sure, Jean, Jean, Jean-Michel Sarri went to be a... A cult hero last season, but at what cost? He wasn't brought in to do that.
2: If you look at 100 million we spent, I think the only player we made money back on is Anguissa, and we lost half his value, transfer value. I think a good 10
1: million. Mm.
0: I can't remember the last. I can't remember the last time that Fulham made a profit other than somewhere maybe from the academy.
1: I'm always being told as well by by other other journalists in the game that Alistair McIntosh is one of the best operators. For, for, from what? From what? I don't know is, what he's is he operating. A good operator? Like I, I just there is nothing to bear this out. For getting the Riverside done, I know the role the role that he played, in that was significant. The thing is,
2: the thing is me and you have spoke but, about this like at like a Doisberg away in that pre-season friendly back in twenty eighteen. Like I we generally, we generally, deal. yeah, we generally spoke about this at that, at that point in time, and nothing has changed. Happy New Season, everyone.
1: I think I think what's frustrating for me as well is just the lack of a spotlight being shone on the club from the outside on the issues that matter in this, that nobody has picked up from the outside. I mean, it, it, might, it might make you uh, think about, well, where on earth are all these stories coming from if it's never his fault? But, you know, it might make you think of other things. I don't know.
0: Well, clearly now, I think uh, a few people are picking up on things. I think after Silver's comments, I think a lot of people are talking about how Fulham and Bournemouth um, both having you know, major, major troubles. Who's their um, manager? Some, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, Scott Parker's
3: comments were hilarious.
0: Ha- Harry Art's uncle.
3: <laughs> I think Scott Parker and Marco
1: Silva are going for joint therapy sessions after this.
0: <laughs> uh, right, we're going to take a break there. We've got some questions, some of it on this topic. Uh, so we'll speak to you after the break. Part three of the Fulhamish podcast, the chirpy Fulhamish podcast today with Jack Kelly, Don Betts and Archie Rins-Tut. Let's get into some of your questions. Um, first one from Mitch Sloan. Uh, Jack, how many players are we going to sign on deadline day? I mean, it did make me think when Marco Silver said we need five or six more, I'm like, oh, bloody hell, deadline day is going to be mental.
3: Well, for the sake of the Jack and Joe show live, I'd like it to be at least three or four to make it interesting. But yeah. um, realistically, it depends really, doesn't it? Depends on how many we get through before deadline day. Um, there's always something that happens on deadline day. Uh, Bobby yeah. Decoldover-Reed came in, I remember once, we signed five on deadline day um, back in 2018. Yeah. Uh, I, there could be a couple, but again, it's quite a long way off. We have no idea. Hopefully for the for the content and, and for our own sake, for the club's sake, we get in a couple.
0: I'm on holiday, by the way, for transfer deadline day. So you're on your own, mate. <laughs> um, just uh, just putting it out there. You're going to have to man the shit by yourself.
3: Absolutely fine.
0: Um- Dom H Aimler, uh is asking about Wolves away. He says, does anyone know if there will be trains available to get back to London after the match? Obviously uh, there is a, a Vanti West Coast train strike, which uh, is definitely a fly in the ointment for anyone fancying going to Wolves away. And I'm interested in the answer, Dom, because I haven't booked my travel yet and I need to get it sorted.
2: So basically what everyone needs to do is you need a Marlabone, to Birmingham Moor Street, I think it is, uh, return. Those those train tickets are always an open return, so you can get any train you want. So it's not like you is need that you can rush.
0: Sl- is that the slow train? It's
2: it's two hours. hours. It's two hours, so there are slower trains you can get. Um okay. but no so 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 get yeah get a mile of bones and Moor Street open return, which would it's not open return. It's like any return you book is always going to be an open return on yeah. the, on the, on that train line. Then it's up to you mate. You can either get the Met well, according to Metro, it's a, it's a tram. Like, let, let, like, like let, let's not be around the budget. You, yeah. you can get you can get a tram which takes from New from outside New Street on Coronation Street to Wolverhampton, probably about forty minutes. Or you can just get a cab. Uh, I okay. think an I think an Uber is probably about forty quid. So, if you get four of you, ten are each. Uh, get that to Wolverhampton and then just get the same thing back. Um, so
0: it's train. To more streets than either very, very, very long tram or a cab.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I said it's not. It's not. It's not the worst. It's not the worst like train drive I've had to deal with. So mm.
0: Mm. okay. No, well, I
2: said good. just just put that and then just once you get to Birmingham. Bur- I said as I said, as i put in my planner. I mean, you're going to Wolverhampton, so you don't want to actually go to Wolverhampton. <laughs> <laughs> but I, i'm not going because after that england game i don't actually want to ever enter that place ever again <laughs> um but um yeah no yeah get yeah get once you get to moore street just yeah booze in birmingham and then get the tram or get a cab pretty much yeah
0: i'm even tempted to blow I and mean, drive it. it might just be easier
1: mm. I, I did that once uh, for that fa cup game FA Cup third round replay that we had. In the start, oh, the um, uh, the three three in, in, in the snow. In the snow, yeah. I I I, I drove up with Farrell, <laughs> and we nearly crashed twice. <laughs> <laughs> and we couldn't find petrol. It, it was. It was. I mean, the the excitement aside from the game was. was I remember luck.
2: that because I was wait. I was waiting at the back of the stand. Waiting for Roddy Eager to score the winning penalty to run to get the last train back,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but because
2: oh, it had been, but, you, but we but, could have given you a lift. But <laughs> because it had been snowing all day, I like I was struggling to like stand up because I, I, kept, I kept falling over every time I was running back.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh God.
0: Oh. Uh- Another question, this one from Rick Cardis. Uh, Archie, I'll go to you on this one. He says, what is Tom Kearney's role in this team? Are we going to be able to get the ball from back to front? Seems like we might be missing something in midfield. Uh, Now that Leno seems to be coming in and knowing that centre-backs are an obvious need, what's our next biggest need other than centre-backs? There's a couple of questions in there. Let's start off with Tom Kearney um, role in the team. Sure, I think
1: that, I'd like to see him... Uh, look, I, I don't think he's he's going to be a starter to begin with in that midfield triangle of Reed, Palina and, and Pereira. I, I think that he's going to have to wait for his opportunity to begin with. Yeah. When he does play, I want to see him trust his instinct more. Sometimes with Tom Kearney, and I think that uh, t- when you're playing in the Premier League, uh, you get punished for this the most. He overthinks, and you can see that. You can see when he has the ball that he has the right thought. It's just he then makes the decision a little too late. So I think that there is a role for him, uh, particularly you know that that pass for for Mbabu yesterday that shows that he does have the 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 tools to succeed in this division. And I think that actually when when he gets stuck in as well, he, he can be effective, but he just needs to be. A little more clinical, I think, in his, in his thinking, and, and then we'll have a chance. What was the next question?
0: Uh, the next question was What's our other biggest need other than goalkeeper and centre back?
1: I, I think that there is a lack of, of real terrifying pace um, on the wings. Solomon? Uh, I, Solomon for one, but we can't rely on Solomon alone, I think. Mm. Like for, for all of the skills that Niskins has, I think that, is he going to be able to dart past players or is he going to have to, to box clever? I think it's the latter. So I'd like to see another player who has the ability to beat their opponent in a one-on-one situation a la Adamola Lukman, for example, who is going to Atalanta, sadly, uh, albeit, you know, making sure that he never takes penalties again. Uh, that, yeah. would be, that would be probably my next problem area would be making sure that we have players who can help create chances, who have these moments of magic. Because I don't think that whilst I like um, I like the determination and work rate of Bobby Deckard's over Reed, I don't think he's got the ability to, to out-trick someone um, and dance past them. And we need those players who can do something. And I think there's a, a lack of them in the squad right now.
0: Yeah, we saw Bobby on the wings last season, didn't we? He went through that period towards the end of the season where he uh, deputised for for Cabano quite a bit, and he's effective. He's a very intelligent player, and I think he makes nice moves. But mm. just that lack of raw pace, really, you could tell even against Championship right backs, he was he was rarely terrorising them if ever. So um, that brings me on to my next question, Jack, which is from Alex at Pure Power. He says, "Do we need another winger to cover Wilson's injury, or can Stansfield cover as?" backup until he's fit again yeah Luke Harris and Jay Stansfield both got on the pitch yesterday uh combined nicely and had some nice touches um feels quite risky though for them to be our backups but then again you know we've spoken numerous time over the years how youth needs an opportunity and does need a pathway so maybe this is the moment for them to be cover
3: yeah, and we've been, we've been quite active with the, the youth, sending them out on loan uh, this summer, especially. Um, Jay Stansfield came off the bench; he played on the wing. It was quite interesting to see. But in terms of Harry Wilson uh, being injured, so our wingers now, first team wingers are Manuel Solomon, Bobby De over reader, and Eskin Sabano. Will they dip into the market to cover for a position that's going to be out for five weeks? Probably not, for the sake of FFP, um, and, and you know we we are tight on that, definitely. Um, so I think that we'll probably rotate between those three, and yeah, maybe Stansfield might get a few minutes here and there. Um, in terms of the Liverpool game, you probably start with mm, Bobby De Cordevere on the on the right and Solomon on the left, depending if he's if his match Sharpness is all there. If not, Nisken mm. i It's frustrating because Harry Wilson's a very very key player, and to have him out at the beginning of the season is really frustrating. Uh, but we do have a little bit of cover. I don't think we need to dip into the market in that position personally.
0: Final one for you, Dom. Uh, this is from S. That's all I've got. Tim Ream, Darwin Nunes, how, why?
2: Uh, I'll start rolling it up now. Um, no, I just don't <laughs> understand. I just don't understand how we've got to this stage. Like genuinely. Like how we got to this stage where we're going to watch Darwin Nunes just put Tim Ream in a, you know, roll... <laughs>
0: Like like, I'm, I'm gonna challenge all of you. I really hope that Tim Ream does all right against. I think so much, so much is being made. So much is being made. I've got no no (laughs) no issue
2: with Tim Ream being good next season.
1: I just don't think it's going to happen. No one's, no one's saying that we don't want him to do well, Sammy. I think it's just we are also trying to be realistic about. You know, uh, look, there's no player in this squad I like more as a human being. Than Tim Ream, <laughs> uh, than than Tim Ream, and how he leads the how he leads the team, it's just I think that the the step up and the gap from the championship to the Premier League is huge. If you
2: look at how Darwin Nunes played in the Community Shield, and you, you like he 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 was he was like battering like Nathan Ake, and I can't remember who was the other centre back for from Man City, but. Like, he was, like, battering them. Like, as soon as he came on, he I thought he was phenomenal. But, I, I, I don't know. Like, it's this twelve thirty 30 kickoff. Hopefully, just...
3: I hope he scores and Millie rocks in front of the Scousers.
0: I couldn't be. I would love What What, more. Tim
3: Ream? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Same, yeah.
0: I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I do see... I obviously see the panic and, and stuff like that. But I'm just hoping, and maybe it's blind faith, <laughs> but that it will all be, it will be okay. I don't think Sammy, it's the, purpose I'll be the solution, first, the first person. Would love, the I would
2: back. love to have your posit- positivity. Like,
0: at <laughs> some Sammy, point.
1: We'll be the first person if he sticks him in his pocket, the first <laughs> person to tell you, you know what? Got it. Hands up. <laughs> got it wrong. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm 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 at least encouraged that as much as, again, we're, we're great at having great human beings, but the football side, you know, not being the best. I, I look at Dennis Adoy like. I'm just relieved that I don't have to watch him turning back towards goal when marking a player this season <laughs> against Premier League opposition. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Mary
2: of so just being in goal for them Could enough. we sign
1: Millie Bright? Yes. Yeah, she can
2: spread a ball. <laughs> like, her passing range is phenomenal.
0: Sign her up. She hasn't got a game at the weekend, has she? Yeah, she's get, uh, she's got- get
2: her in the centre mid. Get, uh, get Mary Ertz in goal. Uh, we're staying <laughs> up, mate. <laughs>
1: It's coming home. Hashtag right. sign Millie Bright.
3: It already came <laughs> home, so it's, it, we're fine, mate. Oh, by the way, I walked past Mitrovich yesterday in the Johnny Haynes and he smelt incredible. Like, <laughs> incredible.
1: That's like, what you want to of, say. Of, of, of what, though? What Just like what a perfume. <laughs> it was a cologne Yeah, yeah, of some yeah sure. Sort. But, you know, all, all perfumes aren't the same.
3: I have no it? idea. I have no idea. Okay.
0: I was looking for a divine sign that should I end the show? I think that possibly uh, <laughs> is the moment <laughs> right there, Jack.
3: Can he,
2: can he smell like an
1: FC Cologne? What, that's what he's asking. Um, yeah. From Cologne, of course.
0: Sure. Why not? Uh, right. That'll do for the podcast today. Um, it's been, um, you know, I think we're all a bit frustrated. I think we're all anxious. I think we just need the season to start now. But the um, line is
2: one, so... So yes, yeah,
0: nice. not all is all is okay with the world, and if could uh, we delay it till we sign a centre back what the whole season yeah just, do you know just what wrong. i can't i can't deal with the preseason stress anymore i just want to get that first game out of the way fingers crossed it's just like not a sh- an absolute shambles and then we can kind of move on because i think the whole ta- fan base is so tense right now um rightly so but it, it is it's a lot at the moment uh, all we need to do is name the podcast so jack what would you like to go for out of the three word reviews that you picked
3: well, the pure obvious one is to go for uh, Jackson's and Mbabu fueling fire.
0: Very nice indeed. Yeah, it was good to see that link up yesterday. Uh, I know that uh, not everything is great with the club at the moment, but hey some football back on Saturday. We'll be back at the cottage. Hopefully the sun will be shining and uh, hopefully uh, we can uh, make an impact. Right on Thursday's podcast is going to be myself, Jack and Peter with a premier league preview. Uh, We'll be doing our predictions for the rest of the season and fingers crossed between now and then uh, we might have a signing or two to talk about. We'll wait and see on that one. Thank you to my guest today, Jack Kelly. Thank you. Thanks very much, Sammy. Don Betts. Thank you. Later, mate. And Archie Rintart, thank you. Thank you. Have a good start to your week. Hopefully we'll sign a centre-back in the next couple of games. Come on, you whites.